peeps it is friday and it is september 15th it's the third friday of the month and in case you fell asleep at your desk and uh, you didn't know that school was dismissed um we've come back and uh you know in a few minutes we will catch up with our senior showgirl and um well, we'll talk about whether or not the landlord changed the locks, because that's always a concern when you, you do a show on a budget. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're, we're uh, fortunate enough that the kind folks of Spud's Flats let us use this historical building of theirs. And, um, well, the the neighbors haven't been complaining as much lately. <laughs> Although I do think that uh, that might have something to do with Gertie's nephew giving them free ice cream from his truck. I'm not quite sure about that, but that that might be. But uh, tis the season for ice cream. I just had a poi event with the brand barn and um, they had a little ice cream truck there at the end of the day. And nice. What he, treat? What treat did you find? I had a Sunday that was um, coconut macaroon, and uh, oh. it was coconut ice cream with ma- coconut macaroon cookies, and I want to say that there was like a caramel sauce on it. Nice. You can't go wrong with caramel. Yeah. It was pretty scrum diddly umptious, as they would say, and um, chitty 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 bang bang. <laughs> <laughs> Truly scrumptious. <laughs> truly, truly scrumptious. You know, I am thinking that by now there has to have had a have been a drag queen named that. Oh my god. Must be. <laughs> there must have been a few. Oh, and you know, her stick was probably handing out candy from her oversized buffet bag. <laughs> that could be. So, uh, you know, on that note, we uh, we do have an engagement for our pre-Halloween Gay Crima uh, episode. And, um, you know, uh, if you want to hear more about that, uh, just uh, check out the uh, latest episode of the Shy Life podcast. We did our season five review and uh, we gave a little sneaky peeky poo about uh, the season to come. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I just got on the YouTube and I where we are live. Well, awesome sauce. I guess perhaps uh, everyone who is going to be here has gotten here. Oh, look at Tommy Hash Browns is in the chat room. Hi there. Yay. Yay! Well, I think that uh, with that being said, the party has officially started. What do you think? Let's do it. All right. Good evening, and welcome to the beautiful historical marionette theater. Oh, that was some summer break. We're just uh, skating in here to uh, punch the old time clock, and uh, well. Has been working on for um, because um, you know we got a opportunity tonight to talk about. And uh, well, grab your seats. The show is about to begin. 
Toppy. Is, hey. Hey, is summer over? Well, sort of, kind of. We're, we're going to have definitely some uh, Indian summer uh, or Native America summer. Um, and uh, uh, Tommy says he's waxing his board, by the way. And yeah. uh, uh, But uh, I'm awful glad to have had some nice mid to low 70s in the day and right now what is it right now at uh, 906 p.m in the eastern time a nice cool 54 degrees oh god bless it oh i love it oh um well i was about to say you know uh it has been nice and crisp lately on the later hours I have been sleeping with the window open. We we have a new addition to our family, don't you know? And um, well, it's a little too cool for me to keep the window open, so I'm having to shut that. And uh, I looked into the matter of possibly, you know, turning on the old heat uh, maybe soon. No, no, no. Uh, I know where you're going with that, but. Um, <laughs> now, right now, I'm wearing a hoodie, and I've got the hood over my head, and I've got sweatpants on, and uh, that's what you gotta do. You gotta, you gotta dress. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta dress in layers, and let that cool air come in, and then turn the heat on late September. No, late December, uh, like maybe January fifteenth. You can turn the heat on. That's okay. <laughs> Oh, goodness, I think that Santa Claus likes to frost his cookies at the old chicken coop. <laughs> I, I guess so. I guess so. You know, there, there's, there's just a few brief months on either side of the warmest seasons where here in New York State, we could save a little moolah on our utility bills. And, um, well, anyways, uh, I'm probably going to have to call the furnace guy because it's already making noise and I haven't even touched the thermostat. Oh yeah, yeah. Get the uh, chimney sweep. Have them come in, and uh, and uh, you know have them. You know after each chimney sweeps, come in for a cup of tea. And I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying, but yeah. <laughs> well, um, you know, I I want to say we should probably thank our senior showgirl for tonight's episode, because uh, well, the landlord didn't change the locks. Um. There, there was, he, he wanted to, but there, he didn't. Well, there was a padlock, and, uh, well, Miss Thing had a bolt cutter <laughs> right where she could get to it. So, shh, uh, no one needs to know we snuck in. But, hey. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I wasn't going to put up with that crap. Huh? Uh, every girl's worth her salt has a good pair of bolt clippers <laughs> in her purse. <laughs> in her purse. Yeah, <laughs> you heard it, folks. Uh, don't mess with Gertie. Oh, so <laughs> speaking of messing with Gertie, um, I do hear that we have a beach movie. We're having a party on the sand, maybe a little bit of nostalgia. And, um, you know, I, I, I have to say I hear that this was a popular request over there at Mud Spring Manor. Shh, that's Gertie's place of residence, in case well, you didn't know. Listen, what you may not know is that Annette and I go way back. She was born in Utica, not that far away, and I knew her. 
And uh, when she went off to Hollywood, she said, Gertie, I'm going to call for you when I got a place for you. And she never called. But (laughs) anyways, I remember her fondly. (laughs) Oh, Miss, uh, you know, you're um, you're. Your Skippy coupons are showing in the glove box there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, if you could get down the stairs to the stage, we're going to go ahead and introduce tonight's film. All right. Yeah, yeah. Don't rush me. Don't rush me. Don't rush me. Well, there she goes. And here we go. spent their youth enjoying the ocean and staring into each other's eyes. But after the honeymoon, they lost sight of the things that mattered and fell into the routines of real-world responsibilities. Nowadays, she's a homemaker with a spending problem, and he's a salesman with a high-stress job. But a trip to visit their daughter would soon change that. Grab your boogie board and some peanut butter. It's time for Back to the Beach with Frankie Avalon and Annette Funicello. And away we go. Season six. Waha! What do you get when you take a dash to the silver screen? A pinch of golden oldies? And a smidgen of screaming. It's time for Matinee Minutia with your hosts, DJ and Toppy. Well, in case you didn't catch it there, that was a little bit of I Dream a Genie with uh, a little bit of um, The Wizard of Oz and... Uh, to round it out, the uh, streaming show The Sandman, which uh, is a little easy on the eyes. Anyways, oh. here we are. Yes, indeed. Welcome, everybody. Season six. Ooh. So, um, you know, just a stone's throw from uh, pumpkin season. And uh, all those, uh, you know, coffee drinks that are quite popular this time of year. I myself prefer a nice hard cider and some uh, fresh donuts. Yes. Remember, people, pumpkin is not a seasoning. (laughs) Right. And, uh, you know, much like asparagus, the the spice just, uh, well, it makes your business smell funny. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I've been hanging out with Gertie too much. <laughs> oh, well, Toppy, when did this film come out that we were doing tonight? Well, a long damn time ago. <laughs> 1987. I did see it in the theater when it came out. But what I'd like you to do is uh, DJ set the stage for us what was going on in U.S. history. In 1987. Ooh, the world and uh, U.S. history, at least, in 1987. I was just a youngin' then. The American Motors Corporation, the folks that brought you those cute little cars, the Gremlin and the Hornet, well, they were acquired by Chrysler. And, uh, you know, 
Lee Iacocca, Jim Baker, in 1987, resigned from <laughs> TL. Uh, well, you know, there was some good that came out of that. His wife taught people how not to do makeup. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, during a visit to Berlin, Ronnie Reagan challenged Gorbachev to tear down this wall. And television televangelist Pat Robertson <laughs> dead announces. Ah! <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have laughed like that. That was bad. I'm sorry. Announces candidacy for Republican. Pre- oh, like who else would he run for? The Satan Party? Uh, Republican. Can you pre- believe he actually <laughs> ran for president? Jesus. Oh, well, I'm sure everyone in his church voted for him. Uh, and the first national coming out day was celebrated. Well. Mm. I guess Pat Robertson missed it. He had to be somewhere else. Uh, (laughs) And a squirrel closed down the NASDAQ stock exchange when it burrowed through a telephone line. Whoopsie. You know, that reminds me when my sister first moved out on her own. No harm came to the the poor uh, baby, but her kitty cat at the time decided to play with her alarm clock and she was late to work one day because it had chewed the cord. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. I had a mouse uh, do that. I, I, it was a power cord to something and I, I looked down and uh, it had been gnawed off. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, well, let's talk about celebrity voice. Uh, we got uh, rapper Keisha was born in 1987 let's see who else was born in 87 why it's actress blake lively actually that's uh, a country artist but yes sorry <laughs> oh all right uh also actress uh, singer songwriter hillary duff was born in 87 so was actor zach efron and so by the way was singer kevin jonas and also singer Aaron Carter, all born in 1987. Oh. Uh, those youngsters, I'm telling you. And, you know, Toppy, uh, what do Zach Efron and uh, Kevin Jonas have in common? Uh, they both use the same toothpaste? I don't know. No, they're, they're known for their great abs. Uh, oh, okay. And, of course, Kevin Jonas being of the Jonas Brothers. Um, but you know what, Toppy? Uh, one of the celebrities that you just mentioned actually has something in common with the star of tonight's film. Really? Zac Efron actually got his career started with the Mouse House at Disney. Oh. He's in those high school musical films. Oh, that's right. Because, uh, yeah, yeah, the, the Disney people did things not unlike but sort of much more modern versions of the mickey mouse club as they went on mm-hmm. all righty so um back to the beach as uh gertie was telling you about there it's a film with uh two stars that made their fame uh, in the beach movies in the the uh, 60s there and, uh, you know, before we talk about uh, what was in the theaters when this came out, let's actually go ahead and play the trailer. This is the teaser that you would have seen in theaters before this movie came out. And Ooh, okay. Back to the beach. Let me uh, rewind through the magic of 
editing here. When did Back to the Beach come out? Let's see. What time? Yeah, I'm just wondering about what time of the year was it? Oh, I don't know. Real quick, let's see where it says it. Do, 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 do. Oh, it was, well, that's convenient. It was a summer film. It came out in August of that year. So, okay, here is the trailer of Back to the Beach. Okay, yay! And, you know, if I wasn't mistaken, that sounded a little bit like Wolfman Jack doing the narration of that. Could be, could be. Alrighty, so in 1987, Back to the Beach was a movie. So it came out to the silver screen. It was probably a date night for some folks. Although, it was probably people who already had kids, so date night was just uh, finding a babysitter. But in theaters (laughs) that summer... Number one, the top of the box office in 1987, was Beverly Hills Cop 2. Of course, that had Eddie Murphy and Judge Reinhold. And uh, following that up in the top of the box office, number two was Platoon with Forrest Whitaker and Charlie Sheen. Now, rewinding a moment, Beverly Hills Cop 2 brought in $153 million. And Platoon brought in 136. Now, I know what you're asking. I know what you're thinking. What's next on that list? Well, it's a cult classic, bringing in 156 million with Michael Douglas and Glenn Close. Fatal Attraction. Wow. The top of the box office that year. All right. So we're down to 156 million. Let's see. Now we get back to the beach. How much did that haul in? Oh, well, you know, we love our underdogs here. (laughs) (laughs) So we paid for craft services, although I'm sure Annette probably provided the peanut butter. Mm -hmm. Um, But it brought in 13.1 million. Uh, (laughs) Hey, that's not bad. I don't know. 
I mean, it would pay off my house. Um, but uh, one greater than Back to the Beach, to give you the idea, the ballpark we're working with here is a movie with not only 80s star famed Molly Ringwald of, unfortunately, they called it the Brat Pack, but up and coming young Robert Downey Jr. Many, many moons before he was Iron Man. This was a film called The Pickup Artist, and it's a womanizer meets his match when he falls for a woman in in debt to the mafia. Hmm. And uh, that's actually a movie that I've been wanting to watch. I remember it being advertised when it was new, and it just kind of fell off my radar. But, uh, you know, I'm an odd duck, and I love things that I missed. So one less than Back to the Beach was a film with Steve Gutenberg and Elizabeth McGovern. Now, I know you're asking me, who is Elizabeth McGovern? Oh, she was in that Bewitched. No. No. (laughs) Elizabeth McGovern, in more recent years, was one of the stars of Downton Abbey. She was actually the the wife of the head of the household in that series. But she also was in... um, a uh, a Kevin Bacon film in the 80s that a lot of people remember called He Said, She Said. So dialing it back here, one less in back to the beach was a film called The Bedroom Window. This brought in $12.6 million, And it was about a young executive that starts an affair with his boss's wife, which then escalates into a nightmare after he lies to the police in order to protect her. That was the bedroom window. Wow, okay. Well, let me talk about the director of tonight's movie, uh, Back to the Beach. Um, It's uh, Lyndall Hobbs. Is that a pretty name, Lyndall? I've never heard that name before. Lyndall Hobbs. She was born in Australia in 1952. She spent many years in the United Kingdom uh, during which time she directed the documentary film Steppin' Out in 79, featuring the UK act Secret Affair. And she hosted Hobbs Choice, a television show, before moving to Hollywood in the United States. In 1983, she directed the short film Dead on Time, starring Rowan Atkinson. Now, you know him. He's Mr. Bean, among other players that he's done. Maybe Mr. Bean is his most favorite, uh, famous. And in 1987, she directed her first and only, to date, full-length feature film, our movie tonight, Back to the Beach. So she's relatively uh, inexperienced in directing a feature film. This was her first Her previous work mostly was in music videos, so you can see why perhaps she was chosen uh, for this movie tonight because of numerous musical segments uh, that were featured in the the movie. Um, Later, Hobbs also worked in television. You could have seen her directing episodes of Parker Lewis Can't Lose, and some episodes of The Wonder Years back in 1990 and 91. But uh, she she's uh, not in the business anymore because Hobbs now works as an interior designer. 
and has a quiet life in Hollywood Hills. That's Linda Hobbs, our director tonight. Hmm. All righty. Let's see. So uh, we'll go ahead and start off talking about our leading lady. And then in a little bit, we've got a, a quick break with an interview. But uh, our leading lady, because, of course, you know, these movies, they, they're they uh, just a, a big story. And it takes a lot of people to make something like this happen. So our leading lady in Back to the Beach was Annette Funicello. Now, uh, shake it, Annette. Oh, yes. Well, you know, they say that um, she uh, graduated from being in the Mickey Mouse Club because the A and the E on her sweater started turning. Oh, dear. (laughs) Stop telling me these jokes or at least stop writing them down for me. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, as uh, Toppy and uh, Gertie were discussing. Annette was born right here in the Excelsior state of New York, but her family moved to Southern California when she was only four. Wonder if someone got a job offer or they just said, you know, I want to see what the coast is like. Well, uh, yeah, when uh, Annette had all grown up, Walt Disney himself saw her performing the lead role in Swan Lake at her ballet's or her ballet school's year end recital in Burbank and decided to have her audition along with 200 other children. Uh, talk about uh, performance anxiety. And, you know, we had Little Miss Sunshine as our season finale. Annette was pretty much Little Miss Sunshine. Um, and Annette became the last Musketeer of the 24 that were picked out of those 200 children. That's, that's right. And she was already shaving at that age. Her <laughs> face, not her legs. Now, anyway, why did I say that? Oh, God. Toppy. Oh, God. She never. Well, she may have been shaving her face. But anyways, go ahead. <laughs> Dear God. I think I, I, I think if you get into too much trouble, Gertie knows a guy. Oh. <sighs> So at 16, Annette would appear in the the then ABC, but more recently acquired by Disney shorts, Further Adventures of Spin and Marty. And this was a boys Western style summer camp that was featured as part of the Mickey Mouse Club. And she would star in her own segment shortly thereafter, simply titled Annette in 1958. It was about a country bumpkin goes to live with her upper-class relatives and learns to adopt amongst her peers without changing or adapt uh, amongst her peers without changing who she is. So. Yeah, so what happened is she became a breakout star of a TV show by Disney, The Mickey Mouse Club. She was the breakout star. Mm-hmm. So Annette's first film was The Shaggy Dog. This was uh, a, in 1959, with Fred McMurray. And, uh, you know, um, I remember Fred McMurray many years later, of course, through my three sons. And um, anyways, so Fred McMurray starred in The Shaggy Dog with Annette in her first movie in 59. It was, of course, for Disney. And this was followed by a film in 61, which featured the actor to play the scarecrow in The Wizard of Oz, Mr. Ray Bolger, in Babes in Toyland. 
Now, Annette said that was her favorite movie. She had oh. the best experience, and it's her favorite movie. And in 63, Annette would appear in the first of five, count it, not one, two or three, five beach-themed movies, including Beach Party with Robert Cummings, who was the original dad in Gidget, the, the movie, before it became a uh, series with Sally Fields. That's right. Now, legend has it, DJ, mm-hmm. that I don't remember if Annette contacted Walt Disney or Walt Disney contacted Annette to to assure her. But uh, she may have sort of asked for permission. She said, uh, Mr. Disney, uh, uh, you uh, started my career, but I'm kind of looking to stretch. You know, I'm growing up uh, and I want to be in movies that... Uh, you know, certainly aren't Disney movies, and I'm a young adult, and there's suggestions of uh, shenanigans and heavy petting. No, but uh, anyways, no, there's uh, shenanigans, and either he assured her that it was fine, or she asked if it was okay. In any case, Disney said, listen, honey, you go set the world on fire, and Disney gave Annette his blessing. Mm. So back to the beach was certainly not Annette's first rodeo. Ha! She started off on a Western theme. <laughs> oh, this was actually her 16th movie in 87, mind you. So she'd been behind the camera so many times. She probably could teach a course and her film before was almost 20 years before Back to the Beach. So she took a break from being on the silver screen, and she did quite a lot on television. But her last film before Back to the Beach was a film with, and I can understand why this was the last movie. <laughs> what, 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 what about it? It's a movie in 68 with the monkeys uh, called Head. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> what an unfortunate I doubt Disney approved of that. Oh. I'm dead by then. Anyways, go ahead. I, I do know a, a couple of ladies that um, had a thing for Davy Jones and the monkeys. And, well, anyways, uh, they uh, wouldn't you say the monkeys were kind of a um, a American attempt at the Beatles? But a sp- oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 So during the 70s and 80s, Annette would have guest appearances on such shows as Love American Style in 71. Also on The Love Boat, she had been on there a couple of times in 78 and 82. And then later on, she was in uh, the semi-wholesome TV series Growing Pains as a guest appearance. And then later on, she got to be on Full House. Our film tonight. Uh, sadly, it ended up being uh, Annette's last feature-length film. Now, in the years that would follow, her health would begin to decline. Um, in early 1987, at around 45, uh, Annette reunited with Frankie for a series of promotional concerts to promote their film, t- uh, tonight's film, Back to the Beach. During this time, she ex- started beginning experiencing health problems, and eventually was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Now, for the next five years, 
she concealed her illness, and in 1992, she publicly disclosed this to combat rumors that her impaired ability to walk was the result of alcoholism. In 93, she opened the Annette Funicello Fund for Neurological Disorders at the California Community Foundation. In more recent years, uh, we lost Annette when she reached the age of 70. And uh, due to her celebrated career with the the, uh, Disney Enterprise, upon her passing, the CEO of Disney, Bob Iger, spoke at her funeral and had the following to say. Annette was and always will be a cherished member of the Disney family, synonymous with the word Mouseketeer and a true Disney legend. She will forever hold a place in our hearts as one of Walt Disney's brightest stars, delighting an entire generation of baby boomers with her jubilant personality and endless talent. Annette was well known for being as beautiful inside as she was on the outside, and she faced her physical challenges with dignity, bravery, and grace. All of us at Disney join with family, friends, and fans around the world in celebrating her extraordinary life. So, Toppy, uh, I do believe that we have reached about the halfway mark in our show. So we're going to step on over here and uh, enjoy some things that uh, maybe do or don't have little paper umbrellas. And, uh, you know, as Jessica Tandy once said, they put those things in there so that when it rains, it don't thin out liquor. Ah, so uh, as we are one to do, we're going to enjoy an interview with our uh, favorite Dallas morning. <gasps> no uh, kidding. Are you yeah. telling me? Is it her? Is it she? Yeah. Are we going to hear her? From Texas, Tammy Bobby Wine. Her oh, Tammy. <laughs> Here's an interview with Frankie and Annette and Dallas News host, Bobby Wyant. Give a listen. I can't tell you all how much I have looked forward to this interview. (laughs) This is, you know, going back a little bit in time and coming up to the present. Now, I have to be perfectly honest with you. Some months ago, when I first heard about the picture, I thought, you know, what can they possibly do? You know, that, that, you know, that's going to make people say, oh, terrific, wonderful. And then when I saw the film last night, it is such fun and a great spoof, a great oh, that's, send that's up. So nice Good. To hear. Good. Those are the comments that we like to hear. <laughs> Frankie, all throughout the film, there are jokes on uh, your title, The Big Kahuna. <laughs> how, how did that originate? Oh, the writer. The writer did it. I got the biggest kick out of it myself because everybody mispronounces it and I keep trying to tell them what it's the big kahuna. You know, they call me the big the big kahuna. <laughs> and it's I, I I thought it was really funny. Uh, the 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 tough decision about that was not to overdo it. You know, and I think that we have them just enough enough uh, places that we do them. But that never occurred in any of the previous beach stories? No. The thing is this, Bobby. This film that the people will see is is really not a, a sequel to our old pictures. This is a whole new kind of a film. That was the major problem why we, we couldn't make the picture that we wanted to make is because we tried to do a reunion kind of a picture. Um, and it was not really accepted by Hollywood until Paramount came up with really a concept which I thought was really clever about taking the reality of Annette Funicello and Frankie Avalon, 
on show them on the screen, singing Venus, showing her from the Mickey Mouse days, and then putting them in a situation that uh, is fantasy and, and, uh, and, and take the reality and go fantasy with it. So I thought it was clever. In the movie, of course, Annette, you play a married couple. Mm -hmm. And in real life, did you and Frankie ever date? Mm-hmm. We did. We did when we were, what, in 58? Yeah, I was about six years old, I remember that. And uh, no, it was, in, it was in 58. I thought you were going to say a, six years older than me. No, and that <laughs> was a, a, a young, pretty girl uh, uh, that we went out on a couple of dates, and uh, that was it. Was this while you were making a film or before, no. before the film? Oh, before, yes. Our first film together was in 63. So this was in 58. We were doing a show at the Hollywood Bowl. And we met and we liked each other. And then uh, a couple of magazines like Modern Screen or Photoplay tried to get us together again, you know, to do a date layout kind of setup sort of date. But then he did ask me out a couple of times and tried very hard to find where I live in the hills. Yeah. He went driving around direction. and around. <laughs> so because yeah, he of gets that, lost a lot. Because of that, she went and kind of just uh, pushed me aside and went to Paul Anka. And Paul Anka, they had, uh, Paul Anka wrote a song for her called Puppy Love. And it was a big hit for him, and I kept trying to write songs, and I just <laughs> couldn't find the right song. <laughs> but now here you are. <laughs> okay, so uh, the leading man in tonight's film is someone who has uh, shared the silver screen with Miss Annette several times. Toppy, if you would, please tell us a little bit about Frankie Avalon. Hi, it's me, Toppy. I'm going to tell you <laughs> about Annette's co-star, Frankie Avalon. His full name is Francis Thomas Avalon, born in 1940, but we know him as Frankie Avalon. American actor, singer, and former teen idol, which is what Back to the Beach is making a lot of fun with. Uh, he was a former teen idol. You don't even know how much of a teen idol he was. He was a super teen idol. By God, in, between 1958 and 1962, now that's not a long period of time, 58 to 62, uh, Frankie Avalon had 31, count them, 31 charting U.S. Billboard singles, including number one hits, Venus and Why. So when I say he was a megastar and a former teen idol, he was a megastar and a former teen idol. Uh, also, he is the main guy who put this damn movie tonight together. Yeah, it was his idea. It was his baby. And it was his money that was put up at the beginning to get the whole thing started. He got he got uh, uh, his co-star, Annette Funicello, to, to come in as a producer as well. But he started the whole thing, and... He went through a lot of screenwriters and scripts 
and he paid a lot of money for a lot of versions of what he kept rejecting because it just didn't have what he wanted for this kind of he wanted to send up the old movies he did but he didn't want it to be mean-spirited or hackneyed or uh too camp and his writers that he kept finding just weren't coming up with the right stuff until finally the end but a huge amount of his budget went into many many scripts so by the time it came to actually filming when paramount said yeah let's do it uh a lot of the money was gone at any rate yeah big time teen idol well did you know that in 1952 about when avalon was coming into the world he was mainly known for trumpet playing yeah trumpet playing uh why it was on a, a honeymooner sketch on the jackie gleason show that featured uh avalon playing his trumpet uh for uh, an episode called christmas party um and actually his very first film which is jamboree in 1997 well he was playing a trumpet and he did a little singing too um and uh, it was it was uh at that time there was this thing going on in hollywood where aging hollywood stars would be teamed up with young uh comer-uppers you know to bring in a younger audience that was a big thing they really needed to bring in a younger audience because of tv so they'd hire people like well frankie avalon and they'd say uh do this western <laughs> and he did the guns of timberland in 1960 well he sang two songs in it and it was a uh it was a um uh, a dramatic role and then uh why it turns out john wayne saw guns of timberland and said i want that kid in my next movie because well even john wayne needed a hip young kid uh to uh up the ante and bring in people so in 1960, his second dramatic part was in the Alamo opposite John Wayne. John Wayne at the time told the press, Well, let me tell you, partner, we're not cutting one bit of any scene in which Frankie appears. I'm doing my John Wayne. I believe he is the finest young talent I've ever seen in a long time. Wow. Yay. Anyways, <laughs> uh, in 1961, Avalon had a small role and sang the title song in the science fiction adventure film Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea for Irwin Allen. And it was a solid commercial hit. And then he had a small supporting role in a comedy, Sail a Crooked Ship, in 1961. <laughs> Uh, 1962, Avalon teamed with Ray Milland in a science fiction film, Panic in Year Zero. And then uh, Avalon started a relationship with the uh, with American American International Pictures. 
Yes, American International Pictures are providing you tonight an evening of entertainment. He made a war film with Tab Hunter, Operation Bikini, uh, and uh, that started a long career with API, AIP, because guess what? They're the people who did all the beach party movies. Yeah. In 1963, it was the first one called Beach Party. <laughs> and it was a musical co-starring Annette Funicello. And that set off, oh, like we said, five or six movies uh, that uh, became popular. They sold well. They were a big hit. And uh, Beach Party led to a sequel, Muscle Beach Party, uh, which was done the same year. So that's how fast they churned these out. Both Beach Party and the sequel, Muscle Beach Party, were put out in the same year, 1963. But the thing is, the sequel turned out to be even more popular than the first one. So, of course, there was the third called, called Bikini Beach. But at least they waited until 1964 to put that one out. And uh, uh, by the, by that time, Avalon had signed a deal to make 10 films in five years for AIP. And one of them was another beach party thing called Pajama Party in 64 sort of the unofficial fourth film in the beach party series and then in 1965 maybe the the title everyone remembers uh avalon and, and funicello did beach blanket bingo in 65 so eventually even frankie avalon became somewhat reluctant to appear in any more beach party films. So AIP said, well, okay, then we'll find a new formula for you. And they started casting him in uh, as a stock car driver in stock car movies. Now, if you don't know this, stock car racing was a thing in the 60s. My parents dated and went to stock car races when they were kids and god only knows what they did in the stands together i don't know anyways so it was a thing i don't know people drove around in their cars that they jazzed up and they i don't know what they did they went around in a circle or something but uh, frankie avalon started fireball 500 in 1966 and basically it was the beach movies uh, with cars nowhere near the water <laughs> and uh in baby uh, and uh annette funicello was in a couple of those um anyways of course that uh, that whole thing was a bit of a flash in the pan by 1967 uh frankie avalon was in something called the million eyes of sumaru and also he had a solid role in something called skidoo which was a comedy by the preeminent otto preminger and then over in england so he's hustling here. Over in England, he did The Haunted House of Horror in 68. And that movie pretty much wrapped up his film career. Because time went on, and he wasn't the hot young thing anymore. And his music career had 
kind of dried up. And anyways, so that was kind of it for a long time. Now, in 1976, uh, Frankie Avalon updated his song Venus with a new disco treatment when disco came in. And he was he was in the movie Grease, which was a big hit. And he did a, a whole number in that. And that introduced Avalon to a new generation of viewers. Uh, he did a few other things. He kept going along quietly. He was a serial killer in a movie called Blood Song in 1980. <laughs> and then he got this idea of returning to Beach Party Films with Annette Funicello. And he got it made finally in 1987. And it was... A moderate success, in my opinion, a fun movie. And then after that, Avalon uh, turned to marketing. Uh, he created uh, a bunch of Frankie Avalon products, a line of health and cosmetic ads. He did look kind of eternally young, so why not? And he did the whole home shopping network thing. Finally, uh, in in the 1990 film Casino with Robert De Niro, he played himself in a small role. And uh, much, much later, when reality TV came along, why, you would have seen Frankie Avalon in uh, a reality show called You're the One That I Want. He was an American Idol. And most recently, just in 2021... Frankie Avalon performed on Dancing with the Stars. And that is his career. It wound down. But the entire time all of this was going on, Avalon was touring. uh, Because there was a market out there for his old songs. And he was part of a very long-running concert tour with fellow 1960s teen idols Fabian and Bobby Rydell. And they all performed under the banner of Dick Fox's Golden Boys. And that is Frankie Avalon's career. Oh, I remember uh, Fabian was the the, uh, object of affection on Laverne and Shirley. Sure, sure. Uh, uh, Frankie Avalon um, did one guest stint on uh, Happy Days. Hmm. Alrighty. So we're going to talk about, uh, well, someone very special. It's also a member of this cast. Very briefly, though, it's basically sort of a cameo. And um, I will give an honorable mention here just before this. Um, the actress who played Frankie and Annette's grown-up daughter was played by Lori Laughlin. And some of you may know her from the Full House series. She was Danny Tanner's co-host on the morning show that they did on television. So she had a long-running role on the Full House series which took place just a handful of years after Back to the Beach was done. So, um, anyways, the uh, member of our cast that we're discussing next, sadly, we are paying tribute to, as we recently had to say goodbye, Mr. Paul Rubens passed away in July of this year at the age of 70. And um, 
he had been experiencing failing health over a number of years. And I believe I, I read uh, one of the things he suffered from was leukemia. But uh, in Back to the Beach, Paul Rubens played his iconic character of Pee-wee. Now, Paul Rubens was born in Peekskill, New York. I know you know that that's the fictional place where the um, Facts of Life was set during the 80s. Now, Peekskill is a town that's 35 miles north of New York City along the Hudson River. So it's nowhere near Albany, but it's closer to Albany than, well, most of the Big Apple. But uh, anyways, Paul Rubens' father was a former Air Force pilot and had flown for the U.S., the U.K., and Israel. And he later became a car salesman. Rubens grew up in Sarasota, Florida, which is the, near the home of the Ringling Brothers Circus. And when Paul was 11, he joined a local... I was there. I visited the Ringling Brothers Circus compound Ooh. in Sarasota, Florida. It was amazing. Hmm. When he was 11 years old, Paul Rubens joined a local theater group, and he then attended college in Boston before moving to Hollywood. So he, you know, went from coast to coast. Now, in the 70s, in the mid-70s, Paul Rubens' acting career grew slowly and steadily with small roles in theater productions, gigs at local comedy clubs, and four guest appearances on The Gong Show in 76. Um, let's see, during the time of his, uh, this time of education and, employ and employment, he joined an improvisational comedy troupe called The Groundlings. Now, there are a lot of actors and entertainers who have been part of this comedy troupe over the years. And the popular gang of yucksters included, such as the likes of Conan O'Brien, Lisa Kudrow from that uh, 90s sitcom Friends, the late Bill Hartman, um, who was known for that show News Radio, John Lovitz, who of course is a, a favorite 80s and 90s comedy personality, and Julia Sweeney. They run laughs from audiences with skits starring skits of imaginative and self-created characters. Now, if you've been living under a rock, you you don't know who Pee Wee Herman is. I'll give you a short run through. Okay, maybe it's not that short, but we'll go quick. Pee-wee was a funny man, child of indeterminate age and sexuality who created a sarcastic enthusiasm for the popular culture of the 50s and 60s. Okay, so he's a throwback. And uh, the geeky character's wardrobe. <laughs> Wait a minute! No, we can't call him a throwback. Why not? He was, no. His character was a tribute to times that have passed. Okay, that kind of throwback. Yes. So okay. the geeky, the geeky character's wardrobe consisted of a gray suit and white short-sleeved shirt, accessorized with a red clip-on bow tie and white patent leather loafers. He wore his jet black hair military short with a defiant tuft in front, and he accentuated his lily-white complexion with pink cheeks and red lipstick. Wow, read that three times fast. Rubens drew inspiration for Pee-wee's geeky behavior from a youth he had attended summer camp with and derived his creation's boyish voice from a character he played as a child actor. Pee-wee appeared for only 10 minutes of the Groundlings show, 
but he nonetheless built up a considerable following and turned out to be a star of the 80s and early 90s. The Pee Wee Herman show in 1981 ran for five sellout months at the Los Angeles Roxy's nightclub, and HBO taped the performance and aired it as a special, which I'm pretty sure you can find copies of these days. So uh, Rubens' start to his film career, well, sorry, rewind, blah, blah, blah. Rubens has started his film career off with a bang, appearing in four films his first year. Okay, uh, well, gray is a color, houndstooth is a pattern. Anyways, uh, starting his uh, first year, including Midnight Madness in 1980 with Michael J. Fox. Also, a film with Dabney Coleman called Prey TV. And the Blues Brothers with James Belushi and Dan Aykroyd and Cheech and Chong's next movie, all the same year in 1980. After the launch of Pee-wee's Playhouse in 81, he would continue to appear in four more films over the next five years, including in 82, a film with Tom Smothers of the Smothers Brothers, Carol Kane, Eileen Brennan, and the guy who played Squiggy on Laverne and Shirley, David Lander, a film called Pandemonium. And uh, Okay, I gotta see that movie. I know. I gotta that. see that movie. Anything Tom Smothers? Mm-hmm. What the hell? Carol Kane and Eileen Brennan did it for me. So, um, in 84, he was in a film with Richard Mulligan, the guy from Soap, and John Larroquette, who was later in Night Court, Meatballs Part 2. And uh, Back to the Beach, the film we're discussing tonight, was Paul Rubens' ninth film. So, you know, he'd already had a few uh, practice runs. And he had starred in his own Pee-wee's Big Adventure in 1985, just a couple of years before. Now, in just the year after Back to the Beach. Oh, I just want to say, mm-hmm. okay, Pee-wee's Big Adventure is a movie that for me had the biggest laugh in my cinematic experiences when he got picked up of that truck and large Marge looked at him and her face went and when I saw that I started laughing with the biggest har har I'd ever had and I couldn't stop laughing and from that point on I I was a Pee Wee Herman fan. Well, in tribute to Paul Rubens after his passing, the um, the landmark that they filmed at for the dinosaur in yeah. Pee Wee's Big Adventure, they donned a bow tie in memory of his passing. Nah. So, um, let's see. Now, in 88, the year after Back to the Beach, uh, P- uh, Paul Rubens would appear in the continuation of his Pee-wee Herman films in Big Top Pee-wee, starring Chris Christopherson and Valeria Golino, who was the star of the Hot Shots films with Charlie Sheen. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she's known for doing party tricks, including with an olive in her belly button. Oh, so. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Okay. Uh, that was part of Hot Shots. In more recent years, after Paul Rubens' 2016 Netflix special, Pee-wee's Big Holiday, which starred Joe Manganiello, who is a star of HBO's True Blood series and uh, quite easy on the eyes, 
during the decline of Rubens's health, he began voice acting, and his voice can be heard in episodes of such shows as Fox's American Dad, Disney's Pickle and Peanut, and Netflix's Voltron the Legendary Defender. Some of his final on-screen performances include What We Do in the Shadows, which is a Hulu series about vampires. Yay! And then he was also a guest on the um, sort of Roseanne spinoff, uh, the uh, the Connors. Ah. So other notable ro- roles performed by Paul Rubens, including his breakout in 1992 in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And that same year, he was also in Batman Returns and played Penguin's father. And then in 1999, he was in a little gem of a film with Janine Garofalo called Mystery Men. Oh. And uh, he could light his farts on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and um, when uh, Paul Rubens left this earth, he had 122 acting credits. Now, I don't know about you, Toppy, uh, but uh, I have a special fondness for Pee-wee's Playhouse. Now, I understand, you know, you were uh, a, a few classes ahead of me in graduation, but this is something that I remember coming home from going to church with mom because, you know, dad, uh, well, he didn't go to the same church and he only came with mom to the ho- on the holidays. So uh, in exchange for sitting quietly in church with mom i occasionally got to do things i wanted to like go to the store afterwards and get candy and watch peewee's playhouse when i got home (laughs) totally get it uh it was wackadoodle enough and i think i knew enough about peewee herman by that time and had maybe read an article that he was starting this sort of saturday morning kid show and I, I watched it religiously. I think it went on for maybe four seasons, something like that. And I, I absolutely adored it. Uh, you couldn't, you couldn't help but just, I don't know, I don't know, I adored. It. And and Pee Wee Herman <clears throat> is the main reason I chose this movie tonight. Um, sort of a tribute to him, has in this movie back to the beach. There's no reference. To who Pee Wee Herman is, except he just shows up. He just shows up and starts doing a performance of the bird. The bird, the bird, the bird is a word. And it's so kooky. And there are so many moments where Paul Rubens looks right into the camera as if, Hi, I'm here. Ha ha, ha, ha. And it's adorable. And his his exit out of the movie, he once again looks right into the camera. Ha <laughs> ha. And he's off. And it's ab. You oh my god, you just love him. Uh, it's a particularly uh, exuberant performance. And I think the highlight of Back to the Beach. Yeah. So. And it was straight out of the ending of Pee-wee's Playhouse because he gets on, I I guess it was a surfboard. Yeah, yeah, it was like a scooter. 
uh-huh, and he just rocketed off the scene. Yes! <laughs> and and at, the, at the end of his segment in the movie, he's like blasted with lightning, and the last thing we see in the background is Pee-wee Herman flying off on, I think, a, uh, what the, what are those boards called? Uh, surfing board, a surfing board. Yeah. Anyways, uh, oh my goodness. Um, he's adorable in that and for me kind of makes the movie, but the whole movie on a whole is so much fun. Uh, you know, there's so much to play off of. Annette alone, her history with Disney and the uh, the beach movies, and then her long, I don't know how many years she was the spokesperson for Skippy <laughs> Peanut Butter. And there's, there she is in the movie making peanut butter sandwiches for everyone. And <clears throat> she, play, she plays the whole movie perfectly. Uh, she's basically the person she was back in the 60s. She seems completely innocent. And other than her terrible spending habit, uh, you know, it's still pretty much the, you know, peanut butter sandwich making mom and all around good gal that she was in all the beach movies. And she's absolutely phenomenal. She does a couple of numbers, as does Frankie, and they do one number together, and it's very endearing, and it's it's it, it, it evokes their movies perfectly, makes fun of them in a very good-natured way, and they're just it's just all around uh, a box of bonker crackers. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And uh, I love it. So, Toppy, there were quite a few people that had little parts in this film, just people sort of out in the background, but they actually were someone. Tell us about some of the people who had those little parts. Well, they were kind of retro people, people that were involved in movies or TV around the same time that the beach movies were coming out. So we had we saw people like Connie Stevens. She was an actress and singer from the 50s and 60s, and she played the uh, herself basically mm-hmm. as the woman who was kind of supposedly after Frankie Avalon and 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 that's uh, arch nemesis. But of course, they immediately became best friends. <laughs> And then uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, super famous guitarist, played himself. <clears throat> there was a, a a rock band from Los Angeles called Fishbone. They were in there. What a great turn they did. Uh, and they played themselves. But then we had like Don Adams from Get Smart. <laughs> and he played like, a, the, I don't know, the person, the head honcho on the beach they had to get a permit from to do a night party. And Don Adams did all of his, you know, get smart jokes. And then there was Barbara Billingsley, Tony Dow, and Jerry Mathers, all from Leave it to Beaver. They were all in there. Uh, Ed Burns from 77 Sunstrip Strip, uh, an old TV show. And then, of course, we saw Bob Denver and Alan Hale Jr., both from 
Gilligan's Island. They were all sprinkled in there. And, uh, you know, I mean, whatever. It was great. Mm. Okay, Toppy. So we have reached the part of the show where we talk about things you might enjoy if you like Back to the Beach. Oh, let me let me just say also, because Crone in the in the chat room mentioned something. She says, I spent some time binge watching the Pee Wee collection of Letterman appearances. And yeah, I wouldn't miss those because Letterman had a lot to do with propelling Pee Wee Herman forward on many appearances. And they are weird. (laughs) They are weird appearances. And David Letterman legitimately is looking at Pee Wee Herman and legitimately seems to thinking, who, who the heck are you? And what is your deal? <laughs> <laughs> He's obviously amused and perplexed by Pee Wee Herman. Anyways, on, 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 on uh, YouTube, you can find all those great appearances of Pee Wee Herman on Letterman, and they're not to be missed. You know, one could say that uh, Paul Rubens was before his time with this character Pee Wee Herman, because certainly with the uh, growing culture that we have of being shut-ins and avoiding human contact, we're certainly ripe to be uh, growing us a bumper crop of man-childs. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. So um, as we make our way out toward the lobby here, please make sure to pick up all of your goodies and your wrappers your popcorn boxes and we're going to talk about what's left over what's left behind what you might enjoy if you liked back to the beach and if you haven't seen for goodness sakes look for a copy it's out there so i'm going to recommend a film from a handful of years after back to the beach and this is just sort of inspired by the the wholesome image that Frankie and Annette had in their beach movies. So uh, this is a film from 1990. It's actually a John Waters film. So some of you might know where I'm going with this starring Johnny Depp and Ricky Lake in 1950s, Baltimore, a bad boy with a heart of gold wins the love of a good girl whose boyfriend sets out for revenge. I'm recommending that you watch Cry Baby from 1990. Excellent choice. Uh, I'm recommending, uh, you know, <clears throat> Jeepers, if you can, if you're interested, go catch one of those old beach movies. I'm going to recommend Bikini Beach from 1964. It's probably one of the best they did. Annette Funicello and Frankie Avalon. It's all sand, surf, and teenage romance and goofiness. But uh, oddly enough, DJ, I also chose <clears throat> a John Waters movie. Mm. Uh, but I selected Hairspray uh, as a movie that if you enjoyed tonight's movie, you're probably going to enjoy 1988's Hairspray, a uh, comedy film written and directed by John Waters about a self-proclaimed pleasantly plump teenager, Tracy Turnblad, as she pursues stardom as a dancer and a local Baltimore TV show. And she rallies against racial segregation. Um, And I can only wonder, TJ, 
<clears throat> our our director tonight, um, what was her name? Uh, she had that pretty name. Yeah, uh, Lendl, Lendl Hobbs. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> okay, you know, she was inexperienced, and she did okay with this movie. I have to wonder, DJ, what this movie would have been like if they had given it to John Waters to direct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been quite different. I just, boy, I, I, yeah. I, I'm just like, wow, that would have been awesome. At any rate, we have reached the end, TJ. So. And, you know, um, for what it's worth, if you haven't checked out Back to the Beach and uh, you might have seen some of the Frankie and Annette movies, either with your folks or your grandparents, Hubby actually put it best, I think, when he said that the part he enjoyed the most about Annette's appearance in this film Hmm. that she got to have a modern interpretation to the characters that she played where she wasn't completely naive and she had some ideas on getting even with the boys and how to make the man want (laughs) to make up with you. Well, that's true. She did have a a more modern take on it. Um, She said a few like even potentially naughty words like <laughs> I don't know bitchin'. I know I don't know what she said. But anyway, <laughs> the thing is, what's so beautiful about the plot in Back to the Beach was that it was exactly the same goddamn plot that was in every <laughs> beach movie. Is somebody would stray and then. The other person would say, I'm going to make him or her jealous by dating this guy. And they did it in this movie. Mm. And it was exactly the same. It was the same plot. In, and they did it again. Um, but, yeah, it was it was just tweaked a little with. I don't know. It, it had a wink and a nod. Uh, that's what I would say. So. And it all started when Annette finds her daughter's boyfriend's picture, actually her her daughter's fiance's picture in the apartment she's supposed to have by herself, and then she hides it from her husband. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, totally recommend the movie. It's just a lot of fun. It's 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 not it's not a super great achievement in in cinema, but it's an it's a movie that's an awful lot of fun. Listen, we got to get to that gumball yeah. machine. I mean, because, I, you know, we had to break in tonight, and I'm pretty sure that they, they called the cops. But, hey, grab that bag of coins so we can get this thing going here. All right, here you go. Coins. Bag of coins. Come on. Okay. We're going to find out what's coming up next. And, of course, as we do this on the first and third Friday of the month, the next time we get together is going to be on Friday, October 6th. So that is actually in three weeks from tonight. Listen, why not a bad uh, segue from this movie? We are going to be doing... An early to mid-70s comedy drama starring up-and-coming ABC sitcom stars Ron Howard, Cindy Williams, directed by the man who would bring us Star Wars. What movie am I talking about? Well, of course, it's it's American Graffiti, 
directed by George Lucas. A group of teenagers in California's Central Valley spend one final night after their 1962 high school graduation cruising the strip with their buddies before they pursue their varying goals. So that's next time. American Graffiti on Matinee Minutia. All righty. And uh, who did we have in our chat room tonight, sir? Well, we'd like to say hey and special thanks to Tommy Hashbrowns, our pal. He's here uh, virtually every week, uh, every every time we do an episode. We sure do appreciate it. Thanks, Tommy. And we also saw uh, Crone, uh, Crone Haven, the ever mysterious. Thank you, Crone, for joining us. And uh, And it's great to have you here when we do the show live. Round of applause for our regulars. All right, sir. If you would, please dose the honors. Say goodnight in the ways of the old days of radio. Okay. Goodnight, Gracie. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Matinee Minutia. Our show streams live on the first and third Friday of the month. Go to matineeminutia.com. Click the YouTube icon for live video, enter Discord, or chat. You can find our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Visit our webpage at matineeminutia.com. Tweet us on Twitter at matineeminutia. Find our group on Facebook. Have an idea for a show? Or why not let us know how we're doing? Email us at matineeminutia at gmail.com.